Welcome into another Colorado opponent preview. This week we're chatting with Bryant Johnson, the voice of the Nichols Colonels. Bryant, thanks for taking the time out to join us. I know you have some ties to the state of Colorado. I'd imagine you're pretty excited to be coming back out here this weekend. My college broadcasting career started in Colorado. Big difference between RMAC matchups throughout Adams State University and, and CSU Pueblo and CU, but five years broadcasting in the RMAC. Can't wait to, to be in Boulder and, and to have the call on Saturday at Folsom Field. Great, great. Well, you know, obviously this is a Nichols program that has struggled in recent years, and the Colonels will come to Boulder with a 20-game losing streak. In your time there, what have you kind of gathered – uh, you know, in terms of what led to the downfall of the Nichols football program? Well, I think it's interesting. Anytime you're associated with a bigger program, you, you dismiss all FCS teams. And we've got 250 teams across the country, FCS and FBS, about 125 at each level. And, and more and more, you're, you're watching Jacksonville State compete at Auburn and, and Sam Houston State almost pull off a win against Texas Tech. North Dakota State has obviously pulled off those upsets, and, and you have a lot of elite FCS teams that can go in and beat FBS teams and make a statement. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have teams like Nichols that do not have a lot of funding in a state education system in the state of Louisiana that's, that's taken some hits and does not have a lot of money to go around. So you're really in a tough position in terms of establishing a consistent contender at the FCS level, and Nichols has to play FBS teams. If you look at this program pre-20-game losing streak and where they're at right now, it's just so frustrating to see how quickly they've fallen considering that there was a Colonel team that beat Western Michigan a little over three years ago and was able – to really become a regular contender in the Southland Conference. They won the Southland Conference in the Katrina year in 2005, but they made a national hire. They brought in a guy who'd been the quarterback coach at Alabama and had some offensive coordinator uh, history at Oregon State. And they bring in Charlie Stubbs, who was not familiar with Louisiana or really the, the, the Louisiana scene of, of coaching and recruiting the high school ranks, and it was unfortunate how quickly the program fell. But they are, they're kind of where Mike McIntyre was three years ago, if you look at what Tim Rebo, the new coach, is trying to do right now. And I, I'm telling you, there's so many parallels between this first-year coach at Nichols, Coach Rebo, whose brother is the all-time leading tackler at Nichols. The family has a, a long line of, of legacy connection with the school, Year one for Coach McIntyre was all about getting his freshmen in and hoping by that junior year that you'd have guys that had contributed and were ready to elevate their game. And we're two games into this 2015 season. Same thing is playing out in southern Louisiana right now where you're going to see a lot of freshmen play on Saturday. But these guys signed in February. Nichols has nine recruits that have already committed to the, the 2016 class. It, it's the most recruits they've ever had this early in the signing period. So it's just the reality of the program. They're going to roll with the young players. They're going to take their lumps. But it's all about year three, year four, and getting there. And I, I feel like Colorado's on the verge of turning that corner, and it's because of the guys that came in under that first class with Coach McIntyre. Great stuff. Well, you know, just how does Nichols approach this game in particular? Obviously, there's – the financial payout, the, the benefit there for the Colonels program. You know, from the football side of things, do they just want to make a few plays and kind of leave Boulder with, with 
maybe a moral victory? Would What would constitute a successful performance by Nichols on Saturday in your eyes? No one gets hurt. <laughs> I okay. mean, that's the, reality, that's the reality of it, man. You know, they, they went and played Louisiana Monroe two weeks ago, and Monroe's playing Alabama this Saturday. They were coming off a game against Georgia, and, and it was 40 to nothing at halftime. And it's, it, it is a, a, a Nichols team that can compete a couple years down the road in, in some of these FBS games against Sunbelt teams, but it, it's just such a different level of athleticism and talent that you're going up against playing a, a team like CU. And I, I do – I think there's going to be some, some moments that we can look back on and, and grab some highlights and – there, there will be progress, but last year in the final year of, of the Charlie Stubbs experiment, you know, they're playing at Arkansas, and there were five one-play touchdowns in the game. You know, it was a 73-7 to game, and you, you just don't want to see a score like that in this setting. Uh, I know Colorado's sitting here thinking, okay, well, we're 3-1 and one after this game. You get three wins in the Pac-12. Now you're bowl eligible. And, and Colorado's in a great position to capitalize off that Rocky Mountain showdown win. They're, they're not going to come in and just sleepwalk through this game. And, and Nichols understands that, that Colorado is in a position to reach a bowl game, and you can finish a non-conference 3-1. and one. Uh, that, that first half, probably going to be a lot of explosive plays. You're going to be in a position to have a, a lopsided score. And I know technically there, there's not a line on F. FBS, FCS games, but it's a 51-point spread right now is really what we're looking at, and that, that's just the reality of some of these games. You know, you have to play these games if you're nickels, and for people that are trying to understand why they're so essential, this is the athletic department's budget. You know, we're going to be back in Boulder for basketball in December, and Nichols basketball plays 10 pretty high-level D1, and, and Nichols is D1, but like Power 5 conference opponents throughout their non-conference, and you're taking that money and you're distributing it to volleyball and women's soccer and softball, and that's the same with football. These paychecks allow the athletic department to exist, uh, and it's it's serious. It's There's a lot of fan interest. There's a lot of alum interest. The games are well attended, but if, if you don't play Colorado, if you don't play Georgia next year, if you don't play Texas A&M two years from now, there's talk of LSU in 2018. These are the games that Nichols football has to play, and the same with basketball. They're at Wisconsin last year, playing at Carolina, playing at Michigan, and, and you're doing this to allow the program to exist. Just a totally different ball game down here in terms of how your program can thrive and survive, but players kind of have to take some lumps, but they really enjoy the experience. It's, it's special to take that plane to Denver and, and stay in Boulder and get to experience the charm of, of CU you just go into it knowing that it's probably going to be a, a difficult experience on the field. Mike McIntyre said he expects Nichols to, to put eight men in the box because that's what they've shown on film. Can you kind of give us a brief overview of the Colonel's defense and, and who the top playmakers on that side of the ball are? And is, is one of those playmakers, uh, Jeffrey Hall, a, a former buff? He, you know, he's really been able to kind of rediscover himself here. It, it obviously was not uh, a, a pretty parting between him and, and CU, but College Force is all about second chances, and, and he's been able to come back here and kind of reevaluate what he's trying to do with his life and the direction he's going in. No pressure situation for him. He, he started kind of as a nickel cornerback, and by last week, he and, and Darius Knight, who is a baseball player, elite baseball player, Nichols Baseball beat number two LSU this year. That It's the best program on campus, and, and Darius was the number two hitter for a 34-19 and 19 
Colonel Baseball team. Uh, he hasn't played football in four years since high school. He comes out as an interception last week. He's had a couple tackles for losses. He and Jeff Hall are going to be lined up left and right cornerback. You've got six freshmen that were playing extensively in week one and week two on that defensive backside. Secondary has one really experienced player in B.T. Sanders, who was all-conference honorable mention last year, but Amani Martin got his first career start last week at safety and actually had an interception. Got a guy in Corey Abraham who made his first career start two weeks ago. That That is the reality of this program, that all of these guys came in either as red shirts or they signed in February, and the defense, Jeffrey Abair, a sophomore, two defensive ends in Devin Seminole and, and Tyler Johnson, they're true freshmen. It is a defense that does not have a lot of experience. Uh, it allowed 50 points last year, this defense, so that was kind of the reality coming into this season as Coach Rebo said, you know what, we're going to roll with the, the new players and let them take their lumps and at least have them in a better position to thrive later on. But uh, not a lot of pass pressure right now. Team had just two sacks all of last year. They've got one this season, and, and they'll find a way to get some more. But th- that's why you're seeing seven, eight in the box is the, the desire to at least limit the running game, knowing that there hasn't been constant pass pressure and quarterbacks have had time to, to sit back and go through their reads and progressions and make some big plays. Offensively, Nichols has only put up 10 points through two games after ranking 113th in the FCS ranks in scoring offense last season. Have there been any glimmers of hope on that side of the ball? What, what can Colorado fans expect to see out of the Colonel's offense on Saturday? Well, you can't go four for 26 on third down, and that's the problem through the first two weeks. And it's kind of that baseball mentality when you got a guy that's swinging for the fences every time to the plate. They're, they're coming up with positive gains on first and second down, and they're sitting here third and one false start, third and four, incompletion. It's not a team that lacks playmakers. Their quarterback, Tiscani Figueroa, ran for over 1,000 yards, threw for over 1,000 yards two years ago. Their running back, Michael Henry, ran for over 1,000 yards last year. Tobias Lofton, their number two running back, averaged over five yards a carry last year. His first touch went for 38 yards on Saturday in a conference road game. They are running into abrupt detours that eliminate any positive momentum they're establishing. And and that's going to be some of the the early learning curves for a team that's on a a bit of a losing streak. They've got a big left tackle in Joan Austin, who transferred in from LSU. He graduated with a degree in interdisciplinary sciences in May and wanted to end his college career after four years with Les Miles. He wanted to play. He's 6'6", 345. Not a surprise that a lot of the run plays are sweeps and tosses to the left side of the line behind him, and and he's been as good as advertised. But it's a team that has two really good receivers right now, and and C.J. Bates, he came out and scored the first touchdown in University of Louisiana Lafayette's bowl win in the New Orleans Bowl against Nevada in in December. And that's Coach Rebo's background. He spent uh, the, the last... 10-plus years at Lafayette. He won four straight New Orleans Bowls coming out of the Sun Belt, brought a couple receivers with him from ULL who who transferred. And there are individual playmakers right now, but it's that complete effort. It's not having big penalties at costly moments in the game and and running into those just abrupt conclusions of drives when you've got a third down and you have to convert. It's a team that can get to the 40, the 45, but that's the difference between an average pedestrian team and a good team, then making that move inside the red zone and being able to capitalize. You look at their play-by-play charts, there aren't a lot of three and outs. 
a team that can get some first downs, but they're they're just kind of having some self-inflicted wounds right now. And, and now that losing streak is at 20, even though none of the coaches were a part of that losing streak, 18 losses in a row, even though you've got a pretty new batch of players, it just hangs over your head. It's always mentioned by the media. I understand why. And, and until that first win is acquired, it's going to be a constant conversation with people. You kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but how do you see Saturday's game shaking out, and uh, do you have a, a score prediction in mind? No, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I, I think the the line is probably a, a safe one to work with. You know, there's going to be a lot of points that CU will be able to put up, and it really is all about coming away from this game healthy. The, the Southland Conference, I mean, I call it the SEC light. I've been in Louisiana for a month, and you sit here and you look at seven teams ranked in the top 50 Going into the season, you had four teams out of the conference that made the FCS playoffs last year. San Houston State is the real deal. Southeastern Louisiana, Lamar, these are all really, really good teams. And Nichols is focused on trying to steal some Southland games this year to take on CU right now, especially with CU offering the type of running effort they are right now. It's going to be difficult to contain one or two of the backs and try to prevent some just home run hits in the running game. Special teams has been a problem at various points. It'll be interesting early to see what's happening with the punt game and the kick return game. Turnovers mounted last week. There were four interceptions. You're just trying to avoid big plays. If CU is orchestrating long scoring drives and converting on third down, hey, that's fine. But if they're coming out the gate, roaring to life and just some, some punches to the grill, and big touchdown runs and touchdown passes, it's going to be a first, second quarter game where you look up and think, okay, can we negotiate a running clock? What can we do to maybe speed this game up? Uh, right now, it, it's a team in Nichols that I, I'd love to see this matchup two years down the road once Coach Rebo is able to establish his program. It, it is so evident that he's got this team in the right direction, that he's got some big recruits that have already locked in. There's so much energy around this program in, in South Louisiana, and you know, for people that aren't aware, Louisiana produces the most players per capita in the NFL. You, you look at the top 150 high school recruits every year, and you're getting 20 to 25 from Louisiana. The river parishes all along the Mississippi River, it, it's just incredible from New Orleans along Baton Rouge and these small communities up and down the state of Louisiana, how many players originate from the Mississippi River parishes. And Coach Rebo's plugged in. They'll have this team winning games, but this is a year where they're just they're going to take some lumps, and unfortunately, this Saturday will probably be an example of of how much they still have left to accomplish before it's a team that can play some of these games and, and put up a respectable score. Great stuff. I, I don't know how much time you have uh, in Colorado when you come out to cover the game. But what, what do you miss about Colorado, or is there a restaurant or a certain activity you're going to try to get in while you're out here? I want to. I just. I can't do it all in 30 hours. I miss you, Aspen. I miss you, Vale. I miss you, Durango. I miss all the people. I miss the women of Colorado. I miss the whole state. <laughs> it's such a wonderful place. Everybody's coming to me for advice on what to do. It's like, well, I mean, go do Red Rocks, do the basic tourism stuff, but it's just such a special place. And I know everybody who lives there is well aware of how incredible Colorado is. But you leave and you really reflect on what makes it unique. Uh, just little things. I miss trails. There are no trails in Louisiana. You cannot run anywhere without feeling like you're about to get hit by a car. <laughs> it's just a, a state that's really pedestrian friendly. 
that takes advantage of its natural resources. It's progressive. It's intelligent. It's smart. And it's a place that's up and coming, man. You know, I look at when I moved there in 2010 and, and how much even changed in a good way in the five years. And, and it, it really invests in its resources and its education and uh, a place that you always look back on and think, okay, th- this is an example for what states should embody and identify with. And especially at the collegiate level, I didn't know anything about Division II sports until I moved to Colorado. And RMAC is impressive. You've got a program in, in CSU Pueblo, John Riston. I mean, he, he was a CU guy. A lot of his philosophy came from Coach Mack at CU and what he was able to bring to CSU Pueblo. And I called four games on altitude sports last year during Pueblo's national championship year, and there was always a presence of Colorado University around CSU Pueblo. And I think that's special that you've got two major Division One schools in Colorado, and then you've got 10 D2s and, and an SCS program in northern Colorado, but everyone still kind of supports one another and, and wants to see each other succeed, and it, it's not like that <laughs> in a lot of other places. That's really unique to Colorado. Awesome. Great stuff, Brian. Thanks for taking the time out to talk with us. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely, man. Can't, can't wait for this game.